Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer, we say thank you. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading The Gunslinger, The Dark Tower Part 1 of 800 by Stephen King, and starting with a beer. This beer is called Black is Beautiful, and it is by Finback, though a lot of breweries made a beer with this name recently. And it is a collaboration with Weathered Souls Brewing. It's an Imperial Stout brewed with Ecuador Santa Gertrudis Coffee. And it was brewed in collaboration to support justice and equality for people of color. And it's a 9% alcohol stout. And I picked this because the antagonist of the book is the man in black, Johnny Cash. And he is in a ring of fire or something. I don't know. So, cheers. You know, Finback tends to make more sweet, bigger stouts these days. This one is only 9% and is not nearly as sweet. So if you're into a drier stout, this is better. And the coffee flavor is very, very pronounced, but it's quite nice. It's a little coffee heavy for me, but it's really quite good. This is a beer that everyone, like a lot of breweries are making beers called that. They're yeah. all like their own spin on And they something. all seem to have like the same label art too, a very similar thing. Take it away, gentlemen. The Gunslinger. Came out in 1982. I just am learning this now because I had to look up the release date. I did not know that this was a patch-up, uh, a fix-up novel of short stories. I didn't know that either. According to Wikipedia, which is, of course, never wrong, apparently there were a bunch of short stories that were published in between 70 and 81, and King worked them together. And I think they must have all had the same dude, the gunslinger, who, I don't even know if he gets a name in this book. Roland. Did they eventually tell you? Yeah, he does, yeah. He gets Roland Mm -hmm. at some point? Yeah. I knew it was Roland, but I wasn't sure if that was later on in the series. Because he's clearly like the the Clint Eastwood guy, the the man with no name from... uh, Yeah. The fistful of dollars and shit like that. The version I had uh, was that had a had a long forward by Stephen King about like how the book came to be because this book came out in what eighty two you said eighty two was a publication mm-hmm. this, yeah and then he wrote four of them over the next maybe ten years and then the last three all came out in the the, the aughts like he took like ten fifteen years off and then finished the last three in like two thousand maybe between like two thousand. Three and 2005, they all came out then. And so he, he went back and re-edited this one and changed it up a little bit because there were like inconsistencies and things that had gotten fucked around in the ensuing years and things that needed to just be uh, fixed, basically. So he wrote about like why he wrote this. Much like the version of The Stand we read was actually updated. Yeah, he updated that I mean, one. there was more in it, too, but he also yeah. updated it. He, he added a little bit of this one, but mostly he, like, fixed things that had become different. Like, he changed, like, at some point, one name became a place instead of a person. I was like, whoops, that's a fuck-up. So he just went back and, like, changed it to make it internally consistent. And he said, in 1970, when he was 22, he, said, he wrote this, uh, Then, in an almost empty movie theater, the Bijou in Bangor, Maine, if it matters, I saw a film directed by Sergio Leone. It was called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Before the film was even half over, I realized that what I wanted to write was a novel that contained Tolkien's sense of quest and magic, but set against Leone's almost absurdly majestic Western backdrop. I have a beer for that. This is called Among the Bandits. Yeah. Oh, we may have had this. We the Good, have. The Bandits, and The Ugly. There you go. This is from Fenbeck. We did have this before. It is in, I think it just says IPA, though it's incredibly hard to read. It's a 7.5% alcohol IPA, but I forget what it's dry out with. And on the bottom it says... It says chaotic neutral, actually, is what it says on the bottom. Well, that That's something fits. you guys have referenced many times that I still don't know what it means. Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons. Yeah. Well, that kind of applies to this book, too. <laughs> well, bet. This is a nice IPA for feedback. Just, a, just an IPA. Yeah. A, a note on the release dates. 
they came out, it took about, it's like a period of like 20 years for them to come out. So it's not that crazy, actually, for seven books. Not for George R.R. R. Martin. He, oh, yeah. yeah, please. But actually, the last two books came out in the same year. So it goes 82, 87, 91, 97, and it's 2003, 2004. So there's like a big, there's a couple like six-year chunks of time in there. In one thing I read about it, like people kept writing Stephen King, asking him like, how does it end? Even somebody on death row yeah. asked, just, just tell me how it ends. Just, just tell me what happens. You know, I won't tell anyone. And he's like, I had no idea. I didn't know because Stephen King doesn't write like that. He just like has a concept. No shit. And then he's like, chapter one. She so. had big jahoobies. <laughs> <laughs> Mammoth jahoobies. <laughs> it's enormous jahoobies. It's from Dr. Sleep. Oh, oh Dr. Sleep, yeah. Patch Sajak was being embraced by a woman with enormous jahoobies. <laughs> <laughs> and then later it says, Pat it, Sajak? It took time to, yeah. it took a moment to admire the mammoth mammaries. <laughs> nice, nice alliteration. Beautiful. So what he said was, uh, in my enthusiasm, the sort only a young person can muster, I think, I wanted to write not just a long book, but the longest popular novel in history. I did not succeed in doing that, but I feel I had a decent rip. I'm not trying to imply here that length is anything whatsoever to do with quality. I'm just saying that I wanted to write an epic, and in some ways, I succeeded. But my wife says that about length. Yeah. <laughs> Width is what matters. Short and thick does the trick, I believe is what they say. If you were to ask me why I wanted to do that, I couldn't tell you. Maybe it's part of growing up American. Build the tallest, dig the deepest, write the longest. And if that head-scratching puzzlement when the question of motivation comes up, it seems to me that the that it is also part of being American. In the end, we're just reduced to saying, it seemed like a good idea at the time. That's how I feel about reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, all right. If that's the motivation going in, I get it. And I mean, obviously, I'm going to spend the next seven books defending these largely. But I think this was definitely the weakest of them. It's more like a very long prologue to a series. It's just weird and, conf- and nothing happens. It's yeah. weird and because it's, it's ba- if you think of it as a prologue to basically 5,000 pages of a series, it kind of fits as one. It's one giant story and not much happens and it's weird and none of it is explained until later when things do get explained. But for this part, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand anything. And it's kind of frustrating. It ends yeah. really mm-hmm. unsatisfactorily for me. And I just, I can't imagine I'm the only person that felt like that. And when it, I mean, I guess it just says how fucking popular Stephen King was, especially in the 80s, that he puts out this book that he's like, I plan on writing another 6,000 pages or so. And probably that's, that wasn't information that was easily easy to get in 1982. You know, it's not like there was the internet where he could tweet it or something, right? You have to go read the fantasy magazines or some shit. And then people ate this shit up and they're like, cool, we'll wait six years for book two. You, you take, you take your time and put out yeah, 11 I mean, other books in the meantime about like evil dogs and a car and fucking fucking in the sewers we we recently had that conversation about audiobooks and i was just gonna say i tried listening to the audiobook of this but i couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on <laughs> so then i so i literally okay back to got it got an ebook copy started reading it and it was only a little bit better i mean it was a little bit better but it was still it's like nothing is explained it's kind of annoying no, anyway nothing gets explained in this one jimmy it's going to tell us what happens in this book. Oh, oh man. Jesus. Okay. Well, I'm going to need a beer then. Oh. <laughs> this world that they live in is Earth, but we don't really understand what's going on or what the fuck is happening at all until later. So we'll just deal with that now because I don't, you know, we don't want to give it away. Sell the goat. 
That's not a saying, but it should be. <laughs> but they frequently say, you know, time has moved on, or the world has moved on, and everything's all fucked, and that's all that is now. This is all that is now from Single Cut. Double Dry Hop IPA. 8.6%. That's, that's double territory. Holy shit. Woo. That's got a, a lot of flavor to it. It's got kind of a fruit, citrusy... It's almost like one of those weird tropical fruits that I can never remember what they're called. It's good. It is very flavorful and strong. And, you know, this is a lovely summer drink. This is almost like, a, uh, like you'd have it at a, a tiki bar, but it's a beer. So this book begins with a, a very well-known line among Stephen King fans, which is, The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. And that basically sets up the entire plot, which is, one guy's running away, and the other guy's going to get him. And they're both just walking a lot. It's like Lord of the Rings, but Mount Doom is also moving slowly. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts off with the gunslinger coming across a guy who lives out in the middle of nowhere, and he grows corn, and he's going to hang out, and they have an awkward conversation where he's like, what the fuck happened? He's like, you want to know what happened to me? He's like, I'm good, man. He's like, I guess I'll tell you what happened to me. He's like, all right, if you want to. <laughs> and so it jumps back to... The, the gunslinger coming, you know, he's chasing this, the man in black. And he comes across a town called Tull, which is <laughs> appropriate because it's dull. Because there's about middle of nowhere town, nothing going on. And Jethro might live there. Jethro Tull is long dead, thank God. <laughs> and the world is in a bad, bad way. And it's not explained what has happened or even when this is. But the trouble is thick as a brick. It is. Yeah, not Jethro Tull fans? That's, and they're in, the, they're in the desert, so they can't be like, oh, I've got no aqua lung. It's because he had locomotive breath. He just, it's dead. <laughs> no one plays jazz flute. So maybe things aren't so bad. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the world has ended, <laughs> but there's still no Jethro Tull. So, you know, pros and cons. Uh, so he gets into this. I like Jethro Tull. It's okay to be wrong, Nathan. There's no breath left in his <laughs> aqua lungs. <laughs> so he comes into the bar in the town and stereotypical tavern western thing guys playing cards weirdos hanging out and sits down at the bar and he's like playing hey jude playing yes there are there is there the the player the piano player is playing hey jude which is you know an old-timey folk song or something as they call it or playing the old classics on a honky-tonk piano so you know you're you're aware this is our earth in some fashion and not a not like a fantasy world kind of so he sits down at the bar, and he's like, I'll take three hamburgers. And everybody's like, fuck me. I've never seen a man eat three hamburgers before. And he's like, that's what I do, baby. And he slaps down a golden nickel, and she's like, that's enough for hamburgers. And he's like, is this good meat? He's like, yeah, this is definitely good meat. It's real cows. And he's like, sure it is. And he thinks, you know, it's definitely not muties cow, muty cows, which are like, you know, mutants, because everything's a mutant these days. Like a cow with six legs are like, uh, you know... 11 heads or just a bunch of bumblebees for a brain, you know, weird shit. <laughs> so he eats all the hamburgers and everybody's amazed that he could eat so many hamburgers. And then a guy tries to, you know, rob him maybe, but he's like, dude, I'm just, I'm just going to kill you. And the guy's like, yeah, you probably are. He sits back down. And then a fucking zombie comes in and he stinks because he's dead. And everybody's like, oh, it's that dead guy. And he's like, oh, I'll take care of this. And he hypnotizes him with a coin. And the bartender's like, that's a pretty cool trick. This is page like 11 right yeah. now. Like, yeah, a lot, a lot Opinion. happens. That matters none at all. And then she's like, I need some information about the man in black. Like, he'll come through. He's like, oh, yeah, he came through here. 
And he's like, you gotta tell me stuff. He's like, you shot a man you in Reno. Gotta, you die. gotta <laughs> fuck me first. And he's like, all right, I'll fuck you. And then they spend the next few days just banging constantly while she tells him, you know, oh yeah, that guy came through. And he resurrected <laughs> this dead he's guy. He's not the only one the coming street. through. <laughs> yeah. Even though she had a weird scar on her head and she was kind of weird looking. I had to write this down. I mean, not like this, not any particular line. But there's a theme in this book, and I think it's because he read it when he was quite young. But everyone in this book is super horny. That's all. I said that on the stand. Like, <laughs> that, that's a lot of his books. The women are always horny. But like They're, the men are all horny in this too. Like, that's, he was that's a coked just real out life. late but 20s the, guy. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. That's fair. That's not fantasy. But as I said in the stand episode, like the fucking... 10 month pregnant woman is horny like she's she's like that baby's the baby's gonna push her penis away just just deal with it like she still wants to bang the guy six times a night every woman is horny because they're attracted to the main guy because it's what stephen king thinks about himself clearly like it's not for this book that that will come into play a lot i mean for the series that'll come he puts himself in there eventually eventually kind of uh yes definitely but also in other ways it comes into play but she probably wants to bang him because everyone else in this town is like a mutant or like a dirt, dirty, like guy with no teeth or dead. So she probably hasn't been able to fuck anyone in a while. Or she, fu- she fucks the piano player and he gets really angry. So uh, Roland breaks his hands and alludes to something he did when he was young. Do we find out what that is by book 700? Uh, the one, there's, there's one book where it's all a flashback to his uh, like a big long story in his childhood. And it's, like, it's kind of like a standalone thing with some framing. But uh, is that, that is that, that, that story. The butthole? No, that's a, that's like a separate thing. This is one of the actual series. That's oh the wind with the wind through the keyhole is um. Now the wind of the butthole is a much funnier title. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's wind out of the butthole. <laughs> now this was uh, I think Wizard in Glass is uh, it's like a it's like a flashback to his childhood. Or his, I like, remember my 14. dad bought that book. I don't know why because my dad never read anything, but he had that book on a shelf, and that just, book was just that one. I mean, we had some random Stephen King books. I mean, it's like odd, probably, just like just like the fourth book. It was probably one of those things, you know, like those buy twelve CDs for a penny kind of things. It was probably like that for books. And that was like House. The, and that was the book my dad forgot to unsubscribe by. But <laughs> that book was enormous. It was like a phone book. I remember yeah, they it's get like eight hundred pages. Yeah, this book and, is wildly and shorter than the rest of them. Just a flashback. Yeah, it's long. It's oh, long, and it's fuck. just a flashback for the most part. It's like ninety five percent. Like Maybe. a story from his childhood, it has you know some you know, it, it expands on some stuff and it's like the later um, Game of Thrones books. There's like one where it's just the same thing, but from someone else's perspective. So the story doesn't advance; it's just like a side story, but it like kind of brings everything together in a new way. When George R. R. Martin was writing the fourth, the fourth book, it was like there were just all of his characters had just too many things happening. So he's just kind of like, well, I'm going to write like this time period for these characters point of view characters mm. and then my next book will be the same period of time but just for the other point of view characters i didn't get to in my other 900 page book good lord at least this book doesn't have that many characters and it never does and it's so been good. 10 years since he published that one he's i think he said this year it's supposed to come out like he's supposed to uh, make he an announcement. says that every year <laughs> but i think uh he said something because there's a well, I think because of the pandemic, he actually has time to just sit and actually write. He might have gotten saved too, happened. because I think he was there was like one of those nerd conventions. He's like, by this date, I'm going to have something to say, and then that totally got canceled. So <laughs> he might have gotten like a stay of a uh, stay of execution there. Well, that's what happens in this series. But he, uh, 
basically he's around town. He's looking for the bat, the guy. And the lady's like, hey, that guy came through. He resurrected this dude in the street. I'm like, look, you're going to be fine. And he made him into a zombie. And it's like, that's weird. And now he just is here all the time. He's really harsh on our buzz. He smells really bad. And it's fucking weird. And then he also whispered a secret word to me and said, if you ever say this word, things are going to go crazy. And now she can't not think of the word. The word is 19. It's like someone says, don't think of a pink elephant. You immediately think of a pink elephant. So all she wants to do is like, like say the word because like, she doesn't know what's going to happen. But you know, also, he's a, he's a wizard. He's a sorcerer. And he casts spells and fucks people. That's what he does. He's a bad guy. And he just goes through the world fucking with everyone as he goes and not eating hamburgers because he doesn't need to. He just pulls the rabbits out of his sleeves to eat, which is a handy trick when you're in desert. Because being a gunslinger is a thing. A right? gunslinger, yes. It, it's, it's not it's, just it's, he's, it's, it's alluded not to. It's alluded to. It's kind of implied that it's some sort of like some kind of like knight, but like in a in a yeah. more modern sense, which is basically what it is. Well, in the in the one, I mean, I've only read this book, so I don't know what happens with the other ones. But there's this one scene where it is really like him as a flashback to being a kid, yeah. And it's clearly like there's a castle. His father, mother, and father are like the lord and lady of the castle, though they're not called that. But his father is a gunslinger as a title, you know, kind of like a knight. And then Roland has to also earn; he has to fight his teacher, which is how you sort of earn your. Earn your guns, actually. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. But it is very much like being a knight in the Middle Ages. Except with guns. Because that makes sense. Yeah. You know, he wanted to make a basically a fantasy western, and that is what he did. So instead of swords, it's cowboys and magic, which is, you know, if you ever saw the movie Cowboys and Aliens, it's possible. Is it? <laughs> it's equally possible as anything else. I did not see that movie, <laughs> but... Uh... So yeah, they they jump back and forth. He you know he's thinking about his childhood and how he became a gunslinger and all that jazz. And he's ear and tall, and he goes to see the preacher. So everyone goes to see these church services, and he can tell there's something weird about this big fat lady. He says constantly that she's big and fat. She says, must be about three hundred pounds, but she's uh, definitely got some weird stuff about her. Keep talking about the man Jesus, who they call the man Jesus. So they're some form of Christianity, except for the other people. There's also, like, there's Jesus people, but then there's, like, the other thing oh, the, that's the referred to. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, it's, but it's, they're a small town, but in a, some sort of dystopian world where there's sorcerers and people are okay with that, and still the Jesus. But at some point, everyone in town starts attacking him, and so he murders the whole town. Because the bartender said 19 to the zombie, and then everyone in town basically got like sleeper celled and became just ex- extremely angry. And he murders everybody. And this is like page thirty. <laughs> <laughs> he just like about he like his guns were firing so fast. And he literally murdered. They're all chasing him or yeah. like come running towards him, and he just shoots them all. He is like basically he's not a superhero, but he's got like he's very good at shooting people in the face and blowing their heads up. I wonder if that's why they call him a gunslinger. Otherwise, they call him the fun slinger because he just slings mojitos. <laughs> <laughs> and trivia about the love boat. <laughs> just like, speaking let's of have a mo- party. Speaking of uh, parties and mojitos, I have another beer because Ooh. why not? I'm going to drink this other beer. This is from Common Roots Brewing and it's Party Shirt Fridays. <laughs> 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 it's a great name. It's an India Pale Ale. 
with pineapple. There you go. I get a pineapple aftertaste. Yeah. This is pretty good. It's nice. It is uh, excellent for um, when it's hot out. So it's good because all the air and fan are off because I can't record with those on and I'm dying. This is called I Got This Party Shirt Fridays because there's no more parties in this world. And Fridays don't even really exist because as they mentioned several times but never really explain, time has kind of gotten funny and doesn't really make sense anymore. And no one's ever really sure how long something has been going on or when anything is happening. Like he says, When's the, when did the guy pass through? He's like, I don't know, a week, a month, time's kind of gone funny. Hmm. Everything is breaking down, but this beer is good. And we should thank our patrons over at Patreon for these beers. Thanks, patrons. Thanks. Tell the people what, they, what the fine people can get if they sign up for Patreon. If you sign up for Patreon, you can get special things. You can vote in our polls. You can get some extra special content for special, special boys and girls. And you can get early access. Early access to episodes, which is nice in case you just can't wait, but then you have to wait for the next one to be early. So, you know, it's a vicious catch-22. You can get all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, you can, uh, you can get a shout-out. We'll shout-out your name if, you know, if that's something that does it for you. Then that's something you can have for a cost. For a cost. We're not sluts, we're whores. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> so basically, just to skim through to get the important parts, he meets a little boy at an abandoned way station. And that boy is Jake. Who's from New York. <laughs> he's from like yeah, but he's somehow, somehow from New York City. Jake yeah. arrived there, and he does not know how he got to where he is, and he's not 100% sure of who he is or why he's there. Good thing the, the gunslinger can figure it out with hypnosis. Yes, he can hypnotize him. This is a world where magic exists, and he has limited magical abilities and the ability to do mescaline later, which is fun. Wow, really? I feel like you're making that up. No, you don't mean it. We'll get to that no, scene does. soon. There's a scene where he does. Yeah. Oh. He's right. like, yeah. it's like, I got to go, where he says, I have to go away. <laughs> yeah. But it's not uh, away. Let right, him right. leave. He says, he just has a, he has a mescaline pill. But then he, he tells the kid, he gets the kid like, oh, you were hit by a car and then you died and now this is where you are. It's like some weird. And like, what's a TV? Buddhist shit. Like, like he, he, he goes reincarnated. And he, uh, he hypnotizes the kid who remi- remembers his old life where living in, New York City in the 80s or something, where his dad and his mom are there in an apartment, and his dad smokes four packs of cigarettes a day, which is insane. A, How do you have time pussy. for anything else? <laughs> he's like a whole pack at once, just like a, like like a, a harmonica. <laughs> just, every time he had another tracheotomy, he would just put another cigarette in there. So he looks like, he looks like uh, the guy from Hellraiser. He's got this thing sticking he's out of his, his head. head. <laughs> but uh, Jake remembers dying. And he remembers it was the man in black coming up behind him, pushes in front of a cab, and then he woke up here in this way station. He's been hanging out for a while, and the gunslinger's like, cool, man, let's hang out and have some beef jerky, drink some water from this lovely spring, and then we're going to go and find the bad guy. And he's like, cool, I've got nothing else to do. I'm a kid, and I don't know where the fuck I am. And so they chasing after the gunslinger still. You know, I, This is a thing I never understood, which is like how tracking works. He could be anywhere. He could have gone in any direction. But, you know, they have to vaguely head after him. Though they do mention several times the directions keep changing because not only has time started to break down, but space and directions are kind of wonky. And they're vaguely heading west, but sometimes it's southeast and sometimes it's this way and the sun rises in the wrong part of the earth. 
and it's weird, but he still knows how to find him. So they're following him, and they get into the mountains, and they hear, or they, they feel something weird going on. They see the man in black for a minute, and they keep going, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, the kid is like zonked out, and Roland is like, man, there's a succubus here. It's a fuck demon. I better <laughs> leave this kid all the side, take a bunch of mescaline, and hang out with this fuck demon. <laughs> and that's a plot. That's the plot. That's the actual plot, which hmm. is hilarious to me. <laughs> w- would you call that wicked bueno? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if that's what you're into, then yes. Well, doesn't he eventually take the jaw off the th- off the thing, essentially? Yeah, carrying a jaw, he does for most of the book. So He takes the jaw out of the, how, the way station and uses it to uh, fuck with the succubus. But I like to imagine that it's just a statement about the fuck demon's gag reflex. Yeah. So this is <laughs> wicked bueno, Mexican-style lager. From Bandit Brewing, Bandit Brewing in Maine, not not Bandit, Bandit, doesn't really make sense, but uh, in Biddeford, Maine, which is not that far from where uh, Stephen King lived for a lot of his life. It says Pilsner malt, flaked corn, centennial hops, Saco river water, oh, and yeast, unfiltered, unpatronized. Okay, yeah. And it tastes like a Pilsner. Or a Mexican lager, which is... Uh, more like a pilsner than a mexican lager actually but anyway wicked bueno because it's a it's bueno because it's a mexican style lager but wicked because it's from new england oh that's the joke wicked mexican and the man in black is wicked he is pretty wicked wicked douchebag he is a wicked (laughs) douchebag so then they escape from the succubus hole not not really that's actually a, a detail and then they keep wandering away and they have the jawbone as like a protective artifact or something. You know, it's, it's magic. We better, we better <laughs> hold on to that. For boning. But then he also finds some shit out from the succubus, right? Like the, uh, finds out some shit about the dark tower. There's like a, yeah, they make some allusions to flashback it. Flashback thing or something. Basically. Flash forward. Well, you get some backstory, like how he became a gunslinger. And yeah. This whole thing where like he had to duel with this fucking guy named court. And Court. and uh, he was like, I don't know, a kid, like 10 or something, 15. And uh, someone bangs Roland's mom. I remember that detail. Martin the Wizard, who, yeah. as is revealed later, is the man in black. It's fucked up. But for at least one night, he was the man in back of, his, of Roland's mom. And yeah. <laughs> uh, then he has to fight Court and, uh, Court and Mindy. And... <laughs> They have like a dual thing because, but he like tricks him by using his hawk. That's a thing. He's like, he's like, choose weapons. Mm-hmm. He's like, I choose a hawk and you get to have David. no hawk. He's allowed to bring one up and his weapon is a bird who he then flings at the man's face and it tears his eye out. He flips at the man. Yeah. He flips on the bird. <laughs> <laughs> Suck my hawk. <laughs> so he becomes the youngest ever gunslinger. Several years after his father, the previously youngest gunslinger. And it is brought up often, and it will continue to be brought up often, that Roland is not the brightest or the fastest, but he always gets it done in his own way and not always like the way you'd think to do it, but in his own time. And he, he's never going to be like the coolest, but he's the most steady handed at things. Oh, so it's kind of like how Stephen King writes books. Not even remotely. He's not steady at all. His hands are quivering from cocaine. Uh, he's super <laughs> steady at churning them out, and they're never the best. 
Never the smartest, yes. but they're fine. Yeah. When you have a shit to take, you reach for a Stephen King book, it gets the job done. So they end up uh, going an underground tunnel through the mountains, and it's hard to see until they find a handcart, and they're pushing it, and mutants attack them, and they keep shooting him. And he shoots all the mutants, blah, 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 blah. Can I say this part reminded yes. me a lot of uh, Lord of the Rings? Since you know, the mines it's in my of Moria. Head, the, yeah, when they go through the dwarf mines, and they're literally on a mine cart. <laughs> it's very similar. I'm sure that's not a, an accident. No, I mean, he said, I saw Lord of the Rings. Like, I wanted to make a fan, like a Western Lord of the Rings. So there's a, definitely a lot in there that's similar. It, as it gets weirder and weirder, it kind of detaches from the whole Lord of the Rings thing. Well, and then it, it, maybe then it became more and more about just scope and, um, you know, like world building that Lord of the Rings also did, you know? As yeah. As opposed to like a one-for-one replacement. Like, oh, I'll... Definitely. You have a mountain in Middle Earth. I have a mountain in... Sort of Nevada, or wherever the fuck they are. <laughs> there, was a, there was one thing in this section that reminded me of uh, Canical for Leibowitz. When uh, they yeah, find the bit. gas pump, it's like, on the pump, in perfectly oh, legible, yeah. although rust-clotted letters, was a legend of unknown meeting. Amico led free. Are they like worship it as a god? They're like, like what is this ancient device? And like, it could have been anything. And, it's, you know, and that was kind of like when you guys described me what Canical Leibowitz was about. I thought this is what it was about. Where like someone finds something and they're like, what does it mean? And they just ascribe totally wrong meanings to it. And it's all kind of like how we find like archaeological stuff. And like, this could be anything. It's like, it's just a dildo. But, <laughs> but like Kenneth Lewis ended it's up always. being just, history repeats itself, ha, 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 which is why I didn't really like it. But I thought that was funny. It was like, what is this mystical device? It's like, it's a gas pump. I was like, is it an altar for sacrifice of the gods? Like, no. Well, it can be if you want it to. Oh, the altar, a sacrifice of the gods of capitalism. Ooh. <laughs> Why are they called slow mutants, by the way? I don't know. Is it just, is it just that they're slow? Like, are there fast mutants later on in the book series? I mean, everything is mutants, kind of, to an extent. Okay. There is a brief mention of a tahin, which is a human with an animal's head, that they come up more later. Like my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> She's a very lovely lady. It's more like my mom, actually. <laughs> it's your wife's mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then Roland finally catches up with the man in black after letting the kid die. Yes. Sort of. Or at least you think. He has the Jimmy choice. said that was important, so I, so I Jake assume. Jake is a very important character. Uh, and he's told, basically, I think he's told by the succubus that he will have to, basically, he's, he has to let the kid die. And he's like, well, he's okay. Really because yeah. it's like, a, it's like, a, you could only go, you can only save one, you can only do one thing. You could save the kid, which would take like, I don't know, three minutes, or you could keep chasing the man you've been chasing for years. Years. Uh, but those three minutes are going to be irreparable somehow. So he's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let you just fall into this abyss. And the kid's like, that's cool. I'll just land in another weird world. And he says, yes, go then. There are other worlds than this, which is kind of poetic for a child, but whatever. doesn't really matter. But it is... And he falls. And he doesn't even scream. He's not a bitch. Well, he's already died twice, <laughs> so... Isn't that a James Bond movie? <laughs> Does he only die twice? I don't remember. You only live twice. Is it James Bond? I'm pretty yeah. sure it's a James Bond movie. Yeah. Probably... I think it's one of the shitty ones in the 80s, but I'm not sure. Roger Moore? Okay. It's, uh, Roger Deltry? No, Roger Moore. George um, Lazenby. <laughs> George Lazenby was only in one. And then they were like, one? never... No, he was in <laughs> on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Just the one where James Bond gets married. They're like, let's just ignore all of that. Different guy, not getting married. <laughs> let's pretend, all pretend of that, that one shit. never happened. Got to get yeah. back to that fresh gash. 
Gotta go. So then, because <laughs> that's the point of the Bond movies. Okay, so then uh, the, the Roland sits down with the man in black who shows him, like, the solar system and all of time. And if you thought you were going to get some answers, you were wrong. Because definitely he doesn't really <laughs> answer anything. And then there's whole long conversation, which is confusing, and I don't even remember what happens. And then Roland wakes up, and he's 10 years older, but it's only been one night. But he also reads, uh, he reads his fortune with the tarot cards, and I think that's important. Oh, yeah. Well, the conversation that they have, basically, is that they're both trying to get to the tower. What do they just call the tower? And we don't know what it is. It's Tower Records. It's Tower Records. Is this, is this from a different time? It's from the it's an early 90s movie, Tower Records. <laughs> it's Empire Records. Empire Records, whatever. Same fucking thing. <laughs> uh, but basically, as the man in black explains it, the tower is basically kind of a linchpin where all universes intersect. Like there are worlds, there's many worlds and there's many things going on. And this one tower is a thing holding it all together. And if it falls or something happens to it, the universe ends. And that is, he works for the guy trying to bring it down. The man in black, that is. The man in black works for the man they allude to uh, once or twice, the Crimson King who is uh, another overarching character. He's a prog rock band. He is. <laughs> King Crimson? No name? King Crimson, yeah. In the hole of the Crimson King. Is that a song? Uh, they have something like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. fucking awful. Yeah, it's a song about themselves. It's a huge circle jerk. Much like all prog rock. But this one isn't in 5-8. <laughs> it might be, I don't know. <laughs> so they're trying to get there, and Roland is trying to get there too, but it's never really, he never really says why. He just knows that his destiny is to get to the tower. Does not know what he's got supposed to do there or what, but he knows that he has to find it. And the man in black also is getting there. So he's following him and all that shit goes down. And they have the tarot card reading where basically the man in black lays out everything that will happen to Roland over the course of his adventures. Over the course of the next however many books. Yes. And it's like death, but not for you. Yes. And then he's like, at the end, he's like, life, but not for you. And it's like, wait, what? Let's eat a rabbit. He, he owns three cards, but they're not for him. And I figured that mattered because I know the second book is called The draw, the Drawing of the Three or something like that. Drawing the of the Three, yes. Yeah, like, oh, he's got to go find these three shitheads now, doesn't he? He's, he's got to go find like the sailor, the window maker. So the, the, the man who's like, you know, got a burden of some kind. The woman. Prisoner. The woman, the woman with wheels. And, and a paraplegic so, lady. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I forget whatever else. But he's basically, he's, you know, symbo- symbol- symbolically spelling out what's going to happen over the next indeterminate amount of time because time doesn't really exist in this world. Or if it does, it doesn't make any sense because Roland is, in this world, a thousand years old. It's not really, no one really understands because time itself does not work anymore. That's dumb, dude. I'm just going to say it. I think Nate will agree. That's a dumb concept. Time doesn't work? What does that mean? It's like we're afraid time doesn't pass? There's almost like so little in this book. Or more like my main gripe with the book is that it's never explained why anything happens. Why the gunslinger does anything. Why he knows to follow the path to chase the man in black. Why he's even chasing him. Why he does this. Why Nothing explained why anything happens. No, nothing is explained. And it was 
so fucking confusing. (laughs) (laughs) This is my second time through the series. Uh, I read it all once, a long time ago. Uh, It must be at least six or seven years. I don't even know. But it does make a lot more sense knowing. Um, But everything everything does get explained. But it's, you know, if you just lay it all out from the get-go... You have to th- you have to you have to think of this series as one book. Jesus, it's like Lord of the Rings. How you know, he many... wrote one long book. They're like, "Fuck no, this is three books, dude." And he's like, "All right." So, how many pages total would this book be? I'll tell you that. No, I'll, I could do that. Here, you want to do here? Here, three hundred plus four sixty three plus five twelve. Are you telling us to do this in our head? We're not going to do this. <laughs> Nate, Nate's going to totally do this. Watch this. What? No, not a chance. <laughs> All right, here's just like, do you three, want three? Yeah, I'll just round off three hundred four fifty. That's seven fifty, right? Plus another five hundred is twelve fifty. Plus eight hundred. So now we're at twenty fifty. I'm not counting the wind in the butthole. Then another seven hundred. Do you have to read that one? No, no, I don't think so. That's okay. okay. That's like a three and a half or four and a half or something. Like that. Yeah, it's not twenty eight hundred or so now. Thirty two fifty or so. It's about four thousand pages all through. Yeah, it's like reading it four times. <laughs> Whole fuck well, that. Ugh. Except you know over Dull. the course of. Not all at once, you know. We're, we'll read all seven, but over the course of probably two hmm. years, three years. So, do we have to? We should. It's extremely popular. I, I love. You know, honestly, this is like my favorite book series. I'm kind of curious about what happens next. I, I will say that I am kind of curious. This is this is by far the weakest of them because it's just set up. There's nothing explained. Nothing really even happens. It's just. It's really just a prologue. It's just like. Here's like a taste of what is ahead. But things really start getting fleshed out and they get way weirder and a lot of... Not saying crazy, something. Yeah. But it, it does... It does. By the end, everything is explained. At least everything important. I don't know, every single thing. But everything important is explained. And it's no longer like, this doesn't make any sense. It's just, you know, it's weird. Which I know for some people don't like that. But I do like that. I mean, that's the reason I like Stephen King is... Maybe I don't. Maybe, he's definitely not the world's greatest writer by any means, and a lot of it's, it's full of like shit that is not any good, and it's poorly written or poorly worded, or it does is like it kind of rambles. But what he does is, in my opinion, better than a lot of people, or at least better for things I like, is come up with just weird shit that I would never be able to think of, or like takes a right turn where you expect to go straight or takes like a basically just his plot getting from a to b is never a to b it's always like a 12 the (laughs) idea of of uh happiness pork sandwich b (laughs) and i it doesn't make sense and it it's always something like you would never make that connection and maybe it doesn't always make sense by the end of it or maybe it's not explained well but that amount of, I won't say creativity, because you could be creative and have it still make sense, or, but, but, but it doesn't ever, the way I feel like creativity is different for him, it's just like other books, like Lord of the Rings, it's very creative. Once you establish the world and the characters, the plot is fairly linear, and nothing jumps out just like, mm-hmm. what the fuck yeah. is that? What, what, what? But Stephen King is just like, there'll be a page, and the second page is like, what the fuck am I even reading? Which I like. In a lot of stuff, like weird stuff or like movies where it's like, I don't understand, this doesn't make any goddamn sense, but I still like it, even if I don't understand it, even by the end. I actually c- 
kind of liked this better than the other Stephen King books we read, mainly because because it's short. It's not so bloated with stupid nonsense. Well, you're gonna the not way like, like <laughs> the way the stand. Well, you see, that was the thing. Now listening to Jimmy talk about the other thousands of pages left, it's like okay, no, it'll get there. But this particular book didn't have that problem. No, this one was his only non-bloated book. Besides, I guess Green Miles. <laughs> Green Miles not bloated. There are several. I've uh, read some of the M- shorter Misery ones. is a, which we haven't yet done on the podcast, but is actually a reasonable length. It jumps it's the like shark a regular. so hard. Misery gets so fucking ridiculous. Well, we, we got to do that. That's another one where the movie is way better. It just gets ridiculous. Like, you know, there's like the big dramatic scene in the movie, Misery, is when she breaks his leg again, breaks his ankle or something. Yeah. Yeah. And in the book, she like cuts off his foot and saws off his thumb and just it, it's it's so much more extreme what she does so he won't leave and just stupid at a certain point hmm. and just and then she like runs over a guy's head with a lawnmower it just gets really yeah all, he really he dumb. is a weirdo though that there's nothing supernatural in misery right no just no. crazy I would say I, I think what Jimmy what you're saying I, I agree with what you're saying in that he is very I think creative is the right word he comes up with different ideas that people did not have. Yeah. I just think they're really poorly executed usually. Sometimes. I would say that of his books, this is definitely my favorite of his. Not this book, but this series, because if you're thinking of it as one unit... Yeah, you can't really just separate them. No. I mean, Lord of the Rings, to us, is always going to be three books. But it was one book. Yeah. But that was written, that was envisioned and produced as one thing. This is written, produced over 25 years of intermittently coming back to the story where he, as as Nate said in that story, he didn't know where it was going. And that makes me very nervous about reading it because I get that sense in pretty much every Stephen King book. He's like, I got a cool idea. And then he, what we read. Chapter one. What we end up reading feels like the first draft, you know, where he's like, "Eh, well, this one was, this one was actually a second draft. Because he went back and edited it. <laughs> yeah, but like, but the point is that the, there's no thought into like, does this all make sense? Does this, is this work? It's just like, here's, here's my idea and then the other idea I had after that idea. And then eventually I thought those were enough ideas and I stopped writing this book. Yeah. That's no, how it always it's, feels. It's definitely a issue with his writing. But the way I see it is I am okay with that to a certain extent if the end result is that the story and the parts that I remember, the parts that stick with you, are interesting enough to set them apart. That's fair. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's rough. It's always rough. He's a, a rough writer, certainly. He is the least polished writer in the it's world. It's like Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. So rough writer? <laughs> Stop, drop, roll. That's how Open rough writers shop. roll. That's not what they uh. say. They don't, Stop, <laughs> drop, and roll? They don't, I don't that's know. when you're on fire. <laughs> oh, stop, stop, drop. Drop, open up shop. Open up shop. Some shit like that. That is how Nate, Rough Nate, come on. Roll. You know this song. Like fucking, is that DMX? Is that DMX? I've heard it. He's yes. going to give it to you. And, and Eve, the first lady of the Rough Riders? Oh, yeah. Well, yes. She, I don't, was she in the Rough Riders? I don't fucking know who the Rough Riders were. It doesn't the, matter. It was only men. <laughs> it's only, like, Rough Riders is a she had, she had to ride side saddle. <laughs> she, she, she fucked. <laughs> Eve, did, Eve was fine. She, she rode. Didn't she marry giant Biggie? cock. <laughs> Did no, that's, she? Faith Ev- that's Faith Evans. Never mind. Faith Evans married Biggie for like four minutes and then he, you know. Died. Yeah. He, he was, was allergic. To, well, he was killed by. Uh, he's allergic to bullets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> allergic to bullets. <laughs> One weakness. 
All right, so I think what you're saying is, I, I think we, in my impression, we all kind of are agreeing about Stephen King. We're disagreeing on how much we like those qualities. Yes. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I fully acknowledge that he is by no means, uh, I mean, it depends what you mean by, like, a good writer or a great writer. Like, like, a technical level, no. But in terms of writing a story, I do, he's, he's among my favorites, easily. And I'm willing to forgive technical shit and maybe not being well edited. I'm willing to forgive that. For not, not all his books, but definitely some of them. I think we all have that threshold, and it's a different point for each of us. Not everything needs to be as refined as, say, something like Middlesex, where no, definitely. You, could, you could be very certain that there is no word in there that wasn't considered heavily. But, you know, I guess, I guess the, de- the, the difference for each person is going to be how much, what's your, what's your ratio of, like, crappiness in terms of whether that's writing or characters or whatever to I was still entertained you know and for Stephen King a lot of it is still entertaining even though you could admit that it wasn't great sort of like eating a Twinkie you know it's not you know it's not good it's not just objectively bad but you're like "Ah, I still kind of enjoyed that there's another thing in the forward he wrote uh, that I wrote down I thought it was probably would come up it was interesting he wrote um I think novelists come in two types, and that includes the sort of fledgling novelist I was by 1970. Those who are bound for the more literary or quote-unquote serious side of the job examine every possible subject in the light of this question. What would writing this sort of story mean to me? Those whose destiny is to include the writing of popular novels are apt to ask a very different question. What would writing this sort of story mean to others? The serious novelist is looking for answers and keys to the self. The popular novelist is looking for an audience. Both kinds of writers are equally selfish. I've known a good many and will set my watch and warrant upon it. All right. Sure. It's kind of unfalsifiable, right? Like, it's like, you know, it's like people who make like, I am a great artist are all narcissists. But people who make like, I want to make something that people will like is equally just like, I think that I know what people want or I'm good enough to entertain people, people entertain the masses. There's no element of narcissism in that thinking. Both. He's saying both are narcissists. Okay. One is a circle jerk and one is a look at me and he's probably not wrong. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's, I mean, there's certainly a certain degree of narcissism who in anyone who says I am important or I'm good enough for people to pay attention to me. Okay, Jimmy. (laughs) So who should read it? If you like Stephen King, you should read it because this is his... You probably already have. This is the most Stephen King thing he's ever done. Well, I don't know what that even means, but probably not. Uh, yes, you do. You know what that means. Like, Think of all the, the stereotypical no, I mean, I, Stephen I, King things. No, I, I know what it means, like, kind of, but like, I don't know what... Like, I mean, as a, as a, if, you, if you like Stephen King, you'll like The Dark Tower. If you don't like Stephen King, you might, but you probably won't, and you're not going to read 4,000 pages anyway. Because you're not going to read this one and then say, that's good enough for me, I'm done. But if you like Stephen King, this is, I think, as, as many people would consider, I think also his, his best work is the series. And this is just, a, it's, a, it's a quick, rough start to what becomes something much bigger. But this is absolutely my favorite of his works, is this series. I think, I think it's his best. All right. I will, I'll at least go to book two with you. <laughs> well, hey, if we did all uh, Fifty Shades, we're doing all Twilights, you know, we're going to eventually do to. all these. <laughs> I just glanced at the Wikipedia sub- summary for 
uh, book seven, just because I want to see how many pages it was, because that is the longest book. Hmm. And I see the names of, I see like, oh, Father Callahan. I'm like, that's the priest from the fucking Samuel's Lot. Don't book. read any more Wikipedia summaries, because it's going to get too confusing. I also saw something, uh, someone named Dixie Pig, which I just don't really... <laughs> I don't remember who that even is. <laughs> but there are, there are a lot oh, of characters... Oh, sorry, it's a thing, not a place. There are a lot of characters from his other books, and the reasoning for that becomes apparent a few books in. Well, he's, this is his thing tying his whole this universe together. This is basically, these are like, these are kind of like the dark tower of his literary universes. All these worlds exist, and this is... So this is point. what's going to tie it and the stand yes. into the same universe. Those are all a part of this. I didn't read any more about it, but I was curious, is the black, the man in black, is that Randall Flagg? Yes. All right. So, because I had heard many years ago that the Dark Tower was from someone, I don't know how much they had actually read, but like, the Dark Tower is basically a sequel to The Stand, which no. I, clearly it's not. It's not a But sequel. I think what they were referring to is that it has Randall Flagg, the bad guy, is still a bad guy in this. Yes. He goes by many names. It's, it, it, I'm not 100% sure that if it's like Nuke actually... didn't take him out? Well, he's a wizard. He's a demon oh, wizard okay. from another universe. He's hanging out with like the, the like undiscovered peoples of the Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm honestly not 100% sure if it's actually like him, him, or like an alternate version of him, because alternate That's realities are a huge part of the series. So God fucking damn it. All right. It's a big thing, but... I, I think people I have asked us series. to talk about this, so I guess we should stick with it a little bit. People who like Stephen King love this series. I mean, maybe some don't, but I think even among people who don't, like, at least know this series, and they made that trash movie, which I've still never seen and we can't discuss until the very end because it... It's actually a sequel somehow. Right? It helps if you don't look anything up about it. Otherwise, it gives a lot away. The less you know going in, the better. Otherwise, it gets kind of... Okay. It just helps. I think actually, you know, I'll take that one further. The less I read of this, the better. But tell <laughs> yeah. us what you thought. <laughs> Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, don't wait until we read the rest of the books to leave us a review. Do it. Do it sooner than later, please. And just round up to five stars. One for each uh, too many thousand pages long this series is. And if you would like to go to Patreon and give us uh, a little bit of a little something something. Then we can afford to each eat three hamburgers at one time. <laughs> and not many a lot more than a nickel that. these days. Yeah. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.